book of 2 Timothy tonight. Thank you, ladies. That was wonderful. 2 Timothy uh, chapter number 3. The only way that could have been better is if I sang with them. But uh, uh, maybe next time. 2 Timothy chapter number 3. And tonight the message is going to be very simple, very practical. I've preached from this chapter. I, I can't even count the number of times I've preached from 2 Timothy chapter 3. I've written a, a book uh, from this chapter, uh, but tonight I want to preach a message just to reinforce some things, and we are in the month of January, a new year, uh, new opportunities, but it's important for us to stay grounded as a church. It's important for us to keep our focus as a church, uh, and so I need this preaching, and I don't know if you know this, but sometimes uh, pastors will preach a message because they need to hear the message, and um, and. I'm the best preacher I know, so I might as well preach to myself. And so, uh, but uh, it's good for your pastor to uh, publicly, as we position our church, uh, I won't. Uh, so, I want everybody to listen carefully to me tonight. And uh, I won't preach very long, but I will preach longer than our preacher this morning. I can promise you that. Um, so, get comfortable. But I won't, I won't, I won't, parents, especially young couples, uh, if you have small children or you have children at home, I want you to listen very carefully. You say, are you going to uh, uh, preach on child-rearing, uh, in a sense? Uh, uh, you're, you're going to be reminded tonight, if you have them in the right place, that's half of the battle. If you have them under the Word of God, that's half of the challenge. And so I want you to listen to me, but I want us as a church to listen, every staff member, every, every young person, and just to be reminded uh, of the importance of uh, our position on some things. Uh, let's look at 2 Timothy 3. Let's read uh, verse number 1. I'm going to read one verse, the first verse tonight just to get us started, and I'll refer to several other verses in this chapter uh, for the message tonight. Verse number 1 in 2 Timothy 3, This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come. I love the book of 1 Timothy. I love the book of 2 Timothy. Those letters from Paul, that greatly used man of God. What a man. What a man of God. What a servant. In his instruction to that young man, Timothy. Now, if you study the life of Timothy, certainly it would be overshadowed by the Apostle Paul. But Timothy was quite an incredible young man in his, in, his, in his own right. Part of the reason was is because he was willing to listen to the Apostle Paul. And you find the relationship in 1 Timothy chapter number 1, and we'll, we'll not go through it all tonight, uh, but giving instruction and things that go on in the church and, and things that will help him and, and that faith from one man to the next man. <clears throat> it's important that's one generation to the next generation. Then he writes him another letter and he gives him this instruction and he tells him to hold fast and he tells him uh, all of these things to encourage him and to, and to guide him. And then he gets to the chapter number 3 and he says, Including all of that, this know also. I liken it to Timothy, it's not all going to be rainbows and unicorns. That's why I told you to be a good soldier of Jesus Christ. God is good to us, isn't he? I mean, if we could capture what we've already felt in this building today and just take it with us everywhere we go, Man, life would be easy. That's not reality. We need this 
so we can go out in this world. He says, all of these things, this know also that in the last days, perilous times shall come. Tonight, I want to take some verses out of this chapter. And in the past, I've spent a lot of time on the apostasy that takes place and, and all of this taking place in the church. And I've used uh, a year on Wednesday night to show how I believe the parallel with the emerging church of the day is 2 Timothy chapter number 3 and, and all that goes with that. But I don't want to just warn, to remind us of the warning. What I want to preach on tonight is preparations for perilous times. Preparations for perilous times. This is going to be very simple, very practical, nothing new tonight. But it's not the, new, it's not the fact that we need something new. It's the reminder of the old that we must reinforce. And so let's ask the Lord to help us. Father, we love you. Thank you for what you've done already today. We thank you for the decisions made, the encouragement. Uh, we thank you for uh, the reminder uh, that uh, uh, you never leave us. You're always with us. What a joy it is to have a church. What a joy it is to have your word. Now help your church tonight. I believe this will help your church. And if you help your church, uh, we can go and we can help this world. We can reach this world. And Father, I pray that your will be done tonight. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. As we endure perilous times, he wants Paul, Paul wants him to know that perilous times shall come. Much of life, I think you would agree with me, if you've lived much of life, is enduring, is getting through. There's seasons, there's battles. Generations have to endure their generation so that a new generation can come on the scene and then do the same thing and prepare their gener next generation. We can fall in a trap as we look, especially what's taking place in our world today. And I don't think I have to tell anyone that over the last several years, there's a lot of turmoil in our country. I, you can't turn the clock back. You can't, you, can't, you can't put some things back. If we're not careful, and I believe Jesus is coming soon, don't you? I believe uh, he, that trumpet could sound the night. I believe we are in the last days. But we've got to be very careful that we don't have the mindset of we've just got to endure them. I want the Lord to come back tonight. Wouldn't that be awesome? But if he doesn't come back tonight, it's like, I, want to, I have to endure. Now, I'm not minimizing. Sometimes you just have to endure. I've given many of you counsel, the same counsel that I give myself. Sometimes you don't try and thrive. You just try and survive. When it comes to these perilous times, it is truly heartbreaking to see how apostasy and compromise gets amongst God's people. There's, there's the first part of this chapter, Paul is telling Timothy what that looks like. But I want us to notice on preparing for perilous times. Specifically focused on not preparing ourselves, but preparing in the sense of those that come behind us for the perilous times. If we're not careful... As a church, we're just worried about us because we know one day we're out of here. We know one day we're going to heaven. We're leaving all this behind. But I don't want to go, I don't want to go and be with the Lord and not leave behind what I should have left behind. Prepare those that come behind us. The decisions I'm making, I want you to give me your heart and mind when I make this statement 
the, the vision that I've been casting over the last several years and, and the broad look that God has allowed us to take, that is not for us in this generation. It's for the generation to follow. For example, that the Great Commission mission, I, I met with Brother Cruz uh, last night and and, and, and talking over some of these trips and, 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 and get, reminding him and reminding us of the focus. We're not going to these other countries and these other churches with these nationals so that we can take a picture of how many people got saved and, and, and this is what we did and then leave and never come back. I'm not, I'm not criticizing that. That's just not our focus. We're going over there and we're saying, Pastor, give us your people. Let us train your people to fulfill the Great Commission. That way when you're dead in heaven, I'm dead in heaven, there's still a church that is going on because we want to train Christians into fulfilling the Great Commission. The sacrifices we make today, the stands we make today are actually, yes, they benefit us, but it's preparing for the perilous times to come. There's a lot of churches that are good churches, Bible-believing churches. And after a generation, they're done because the people have not prepared for the time to come. And as a preacher, I can, I can preach on these perilous times. I've written a book on the perilous times. If you haven't read it, you need to get it. Audio book coming soon. But, but I, I, I can digest it. I can tell you what it all means. And it's important for us to be aware of that. But wouldn't it be, isn't it vital that in the warnings and in the uh, teaching of what Paul is talking about, we prepare for the perilous times? Not just for us, but for that next generation. Let's notice what Paul writes in here. Let me say, I'm going to give you four things tonight as we prepare that next generation. And by, by the way, let me remind all of us, if you've, if you've already reared your children... If you've already helped build buildings, if you've already served for, for years and decades, uh, you're not relieved of your obligation. So how can you say that, Pastor? Because you're still here. You're still here. And so we want to continue to prepare that next generation. Let me say, number one, if we're going to prepare for perilous times, we must persevere. Look at me at verse number 10. Paul writes, but thou hast fully known my doctrine, manner of life, purpose, faith, long-suffering, charity, patience, persecutions, afflictions, which came unto me at Antioch, at Iconium, at Lystra, what persecutions I endured. But out of them all the Lord delivered me, yea, and all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. I've had some say to me, say, well, are, why, do you, why, why do you all always in the middle of something? Why, why, are y'all, why are people suffering? I'm not suffering. So you have to live godly. That's, that's the key. Uh, what is Paul saying? He's saying persevere. You know my doctrine, Timothy, which means he's persevered in his doctrine. You, you, know my, you know the uh, manner of life, the way I've lived, my purpose, my faith, what faith Paul had. Long-suffering, charity, patience, persecutions, afflictions. What did Paul do? He persevered. 
You know the words in, in 2 Timothy chapter 4 that every preacher has preached out of this passage. We know at Paul's famous last words. For I am now ready to be offered. The time of my departure is at hand. I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. You know why he could say that? He persevered. He persevered. You must persevere. I want to do something tonight. If you've been a member of this church, not saved, somewhere else, member somewhere else, but if you've been a member of this church for at least 25 years, would you stand up for me? Okay. Stay standing if, you don't fall, if you're not going to fall over tonight, all right? You know how those of you, there's, a young, there's some of you, you, you've been saved a long time. You just haven't been a member of this church for 25 years. But I want to make a point with this church. Those of you that are, have been here, you're, 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 you're of the younger generation. You see this group that's been here at least 25 years a member of this church. You know how they've been a member here at least 25 years? Because it's been easy. There's been no battles. There's been no stands. Nobody here has lost friends who's standing over this book. Nobody standing has had to make sacrifices. That's why they were able to be here for 25 years. You know I'm being sarcastic because the opposite is true. So how did this happen? You persevere. You endure. Everybody that's standing, well, they can still be at it after a quarter of a century because their lives have been easy. They've had no battles. They've had no hardships. That's not true either. Did they always have the right spirit? I'm looking around, and I'll just answer that for you. Did they always do it the way that they look back and say, I wish I'd have done a little? They could probably all say that. But what they do? They persevered. I'll let you sit down in just a minute. I know you're, you're struggling there. But if you're not standing, let me tell you, you know what your goal ought to be? To be able to stand when that question is asked one day. You know how it's going to happen? You're going to have to persevere. There's more battles. There's more stands. Paul says, you know every word I think I believe, but let me remind you that I just survived. I just persevere. Thank you. You can be seated. So if you're going to prepare for the next generation, if we're going to prepare for those perilous times, you must persevere. You know what, you know what a young generation needs to see? A, another generation ahead of them that just won't quit, just won't give up, just is not going to give in. Every child here needs to know that mom and dad's not giving up. Mom and dad's not quitting. Mom and dad's not going away. Mom and dad's going to keep serving the Lord the best that they can, that they can serve. We, we, we need to see that. You must persevere. Number two. Look at me at verse number 15. Let's go back to verse 14. Paul writes to Timothy, But continue thou in the things which thou hast learned and hast been assured of, knowing of whom thou hast learned them, and that from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. Number two, if we're going to prepare for perilous times. Now, let me, let me give you number two in just a moment, but let me say this. The reason why we want to prepare this way is because it's not just about making it easy for us. It's about the cause of Christ. Let, let's use that parallel to the freedoms we enjoy as Americans. 
we enjoy this because there's previous generations that were willing to sacrifice their whole future for the cause of liberty, the cause of freedom. How much more important is our cause, the cause of Christ? So it's not just about... Is it easy? And, and by the way, the, the people who stood just a moment will say, yes, there's been burdens, and yes, there's been battles, and yes, there's been heartaches, but I think they would all testify, God has been good. God has always come through. God is blessed beyond measure. I never thought God could be this good. There'd be testimonies like that. So I say all that to say, if we are going to prepare for perilous times, we must, number two, teach the Scriptures to the next generation. Paul could reference to Timothy, thou hast known the scriptures from the time you were a child because somebody taught him the scriptures when he was a child. Timothy wasn't born with the scriptures downloaded in his brain. And every parent can testify that it is an effort and work to make sure your children are taught the scriptures. Can you imagine teaching your child from parchments? From copies of letters? We have the Bible all bound. We even have maps. Effort went in by that mom and that grandmother to teach Timothy the the scriptures, the word of God. We must do the same. It starts every parent. You must have the the goal, desire to teach your children the Scriptures. Have them in a church as you do that preaches the Scriptures and teaches the Scriptures. And Sunday school, they're, they're teaching them the Word of God and you reinforce the fact that this is God's Word. Let me just say this. Don't, don't get disillusioned or disenchanted and take them someplace for them to be entertained. Teach them the Scriptures. Say, well, I don't disagree with this decision. Are the Scriptures being preached? Well, I know here, here they run things a little bit how I... Are the Scriptures being taught? Are they learning the Scriptures? And by the way, if you're going to teach your children the Scriptures, you know who, who has to know them? You do. You know who has to make the effort to be in Sunday school so they can be in Sunday school? You do. You know who might have to come straight from work to Wednesday night Bible study so that your children can be in Bible study? It's an effort to teach the scriptures to the next generation, not only the, the, the children in their own home, but there's a generation of children that don't have a parent to teach them the scriptures. How are they going to learn them? How are they going to know them? Somebody's got to teach them. That's why those in the bus ministry, those in in, in Sunday school, in children's church, in our Christian school even, as we minister to our kids, but those uh, who who are parents who aren't people of our church and they send, there's opportunities we have to reinforce the Scriptures and teach the Word of God and teach the Scriptures and say, well, it's a long time to invest in a child. If we're going to prepare for those perilous times, we have to teach that next generation the Scriptures. You, you, You know why after 40 years, 
refer, referencing back to when my father was here and now the 11 years that I've been the, the pastor, you know, there's only one explanation of why this church is still here. It's, it's the grace of God. It's God himself. But let me take, let me take it and break it down. It's because a generation was taught the scriptures. And as long, well, pastor, how can this go on after you're gone in 40 years? We teach the scriptures now to that next generation so that when they are having children and now they're making the decisions in the church and and they are making the effort to withstand in the evil day, they have the scriptures and they continue to teach that next generation the scriptures. You know, if the pastor compromises on the scriptures, the church is suffering. The, the church is going to pay a price. Likewise, if the people compromise on the scriptures, they're suffering. We must teach that next generation the scriptures. I, I say this, if it, I, would, I would say this, and, and I know there's a lot of people who watch our live stream, and that's okay, uh, friends and enemies. And so uh, I'll, I'll be trying to be very, very clear when I say this. It, it, no matter where you live in the country, if they're not teaching the scriptures, pick up and move. Amen. Life's too short to be part of a dead church. Amen. I don't want my children to, be, to, to, to even have a shred of doubt that the Bible is the word of God. Know the scripture. We must teach them the scriptures. Starts in your home. Starts in my home. It's collectively as a church. I'm less concerned with the color of the carpet. I want to know what the scriptures being taught. I want to know that there's a good children's program, but more than that, is the word of God being taught. Is the scriptures be well? My child, you know, he doesn't he doesn't get it, and he's you'd be surprised what those kids pick up in the Wednesday night Bible study. They don't get any Bible in children's church because I know who preaches over there, but it's kind of defeats the purpose of this message. But now we must teach the scriptures to the next generation. Number three, back to verse fourteen. But continue thou in the things which thou hast learned. If we're going to prepare for perilous times. Number three is very simply, don't change. Don't change. What I mean by that is don't change what he's saying. Continue what you've learned. Don't change what you have been taught. Don't change what you know to be true. In verse four, he said, continue thou. We just need some Christians to say, I'm going to continue. If you'll permit me, you know, you, you know my father was the pastor for 33 years. I, I just completed 11 years, and, and, and when, when I became the pastor, I knew that our personalities were different. I knew our thinking was different. I knew there were things that we'd probably do different, but I'm not going to change from the book that I was taught from. I'm not going to change from what I believe. Now, there might be some things change, and, and we might change, uh, you know, the, we started at a different time than we did 20 years ago on Sunday night. And I think God still meets with us. That's not what he's talking about. Bless God, I can't believe these liberals are changing their church time. You know, okay. That's not what he's talking about. 
Let me know, let's just look at what he says. But continue thou in the things that thou hast learned. You know, there's, there's a lot of new things. Are you, you know, let me introduce you to this. I didn't learn that. I didn't learn that. I'm thankful for my heritage. I'm thankful you know, that I, I grew up in this church and I heard all the great preachers of the past. I'm thankful for my training in college underneath Brother Hot. I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful for the influence that I had. I'm thankful for that. Then you see some of these guys say, what do you think about this? I'm like, I didn't learn that. That's not what I learned. He says, continue thou into things that which thou hast learned. And by the way, if your children are being taught the scriptures, and they are, they shouldn't change from that which they've learned. You shouldn't change from that which you have learned. Well, this is what I think now. Now, we're putting ourselves on the same plane as God. I know preachers that do that. That's not what, I, I, there's some I went to Bible college with, and we, we sat in the same row in chapel. We heard the same messages, or we grew up together. We, we believed the same thing, and now we, we have gone like this, and I know that I have not changed. I'm not taking that new stuff, and, and, and to God's glory in that, just determined not to change. Why? Because I hadn't learned it. It's a new way I haven't learned that. So we need to introduce some of these, you know, these praise bands and worship teams. That's not what I learned. I didn't learn that. Notice what else he says. And has been assured of. The, the, what I've learned has been proven. It, it, this new stuff, there's no assurance of it. I can, I can teach you what God has said, and I can be assured that it's right, it's truth, it's going to, your blessings are going to come from it, it's, the, it, it's, it's, it's assured. The things that the heritage, you know, just like in our country, there's a lot of new ideas, we need to try this. It hasn't been, well, it hasn't been proven here, it's been proven wrong in other places. I mean, America was pretty good, I don't know why we got to change it. But the same people say, that's right. Trump 2024, they'll say, why can't we change church the way it's always been? Well, if it's good for America, don't you think it's good for the church? I haven't been assured of it. There's no proof of right. I may have mentioned it to Brother Gray one of these last days when we're around, but one of the finance guys recently that, I've been talking to in builders, and they all run together. We were driving from here to the school to look at the school property, and was talking about church and, and what kind of church we had and what kind of church buildings. I said, I said, it has to look like a church. And it says, if you can put a, I want you to put a steeple so high on it that these planes that fly in have to worry about clearing it. I mean, I want them to know this is a church. And he's made an interesting observation. He says, you know, that you say, now that you say that. And I'm noticing a trend of a bunch of churches who went that contemporary way are now trying to come back to be more like a church 
because they've discovered that that doesn't work. Because if your people have a diet of cotton candy for 30 years, lo and behold, they're not healthy. It might taste good, but eventually the teeth rot out. Eventually, you don't have enough strength to sustain yourself. And there's a trend coming back to why. Because that way, I'm not assured of that. Just to remind us, we have no proof of right. Then he says, of whom thou thou hast learned. It's amazing you get introduced to people who, it's like, I didn't learn anything from them. I'm not following them now. Who have you learned it from? Young people, listen, over here, all over. One day, you're going to graduate from high school. One day, you're going to get out of mom and dad's house. By the way, that's a pretty good goal. One day, you're going to start making your own decisions. Your mom and dad, who kept you in church, a Bible-believing church, for your whole life, that should mean more than somebody who posts on Instagram, somebody you meet at work, somebody on YouTube. You, You didn't... You didn't learn how to work from them. You didn't learn how to get up in the morning from them. You didn't learn how to tie your shoes from them. You didn't learn how to feed yourself from them. You didn't learn how to find the books of the Bible from them. You didn't learn what what faith and answered prayer is from them. He, He says, of whom thou hast learned them. And if you'll permit me, With God as my helper, I'm going to be faithful to preach this book and to teach and instruct and try to help you with life. And one day, somebody's going to come along. And just remember, you need to remember who taught you from this book. Who sat with you when you when you had that you didn't know what to do in that situation, or I, I didn't know how to put my home back together, I, I didn't know how to find direction in my life. Somebody's faithful to teach you the word of God, whom thou hast learned them. Paul is saying, he, he speaks of these, these false teachers. They have a form of godliness. These that come along and, and they'll tell you this is a better way and this is what you ought to do. He says, remember. Continue, don't change. How do people change? What's the opposite of this? They don't depend on that which they've learned. They swallow things that they haven't been assured of. And they start learning from those who they did not learn the truth from. By the way, if it... Bible-believing Baptist church was good enough to teach you character where you could get saved, where you could find a husband, where you could find a wife. God blessed you with a job and a career. If it's good enough for all of that, you probably could continue to be helped by it. Then number four, 
verse 16 and verse 17. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. Number four is simply this. Let the Scriptures do, it, do its work. I became a much better pastor when I quit trying to help God. I think I became a better parent when I kept trying to when I stopped trying to help God. We would do well to just let the scriptures do their work. Now you have to preach the scriptures. You have to have the scriptures. You have to stand for the scriptures. What, what's the work of the scripture? It's profitable for doctrine. It's amazing the doctrines you find right now. And I'm like, does nobody in that church read the Bible? Does the pastor not read the Bible? Well, it's a rhetorical question. We get our doctrine. From scriptures. For reproof. You know, I don't know, my parents are this and this, and, and, and the pastor, I don't know who he is. You know who's a better reprover than your mama and daddy? The scriptures. And by the way, it's the same scriptures that said, mama and daddy are your reprovers. Reproof. You know, when you're feeling really good about yourself, let me tell you how to ruin that. Start reading the Bible. And the Holy Spirit will say, you're not as good as you thought you were. Well, don't we need that? Don't we want that? You know, we, we don't like pain. At least I don't like pain. You know, and you, and you, and you, you, touch, an, you touch something that's hot, what does it do? It burns. And those signals come to your head and says, stop that. What happens if you don't stop that? Well, you're not going to have fingers before long to touch something hot with. It reproves us. Same is true of Scripture for correction. This, I love this. I love this illustration. I think it illustrates it perfectly. Reprove is that, if I can simplify, this is wrong. You're wrong. You shouldn't have done that. You should have done this. Everybody know what I'm talking about? Don't look at me like you have no idea what I'm talking about. Everybody needs to be, to be reproved by the Scripture. No, I'm thankful that this same book, when I have been at my lowest, and I've needed some, I just need a flicker of hope, this book can give inspiration like nothing else can. And it can give you confidence like nothing else can. This same supernatural book, though, can, can reprove you. But correction is a little bit different than reproving. Correction takes that reproof and then shows you the way it's supposed to be. If I can illustrate like this, I've used this illustration before, you take a test, and I think back to when I was in high school, and these teachers who, who search and search for that wrong answer, anything that's wrong so they can mark it wrong. Just like, I mean, I got all this whole box of red pens for Christmas, and I got, I got, I got to use them up. I got I to do something with them. 
I'm not going to mention any names or look anywhere over here. So, <laughs> When you put a wrong answer, I'm talking about other people. I never got a wrong answer. But you put that wrong answer down, then there's the red X. You got it wrong. That's reproof. Correction is, let's get the answer right. So when you take this test again, you don't have a wrong answer. Too many times Christians look at the Bible, that's my reproof, and that's my reproof, and that's my reproof. But if you'll go back to the Scripture, it'll tell you how to get your wrong right. And that's what we want. Maybe, parent, you're like, my child is going to end up in prison. My child is, they, they, they can't, I can't control them. They, 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 they won't behave. You, I, I don't know what's going to happen with them. You just keep putting the Bible in them and maybe on them, but people put the Bible in them because it's going to instruct and correct. And then for instruction in righteousness. There's the, our, our position in righteousness, but there's the practical righteousness, the way we live, the way we act. You know, we, we have a tendency to determine how we're going to live by the people around us. Now, by the way, where you, the people around you are going to influence how you live. And that's why it's important that we set the right kind of example. We hold a high standard. But we should not set that standard by the, necessarily by the people around us. We use their example. But we want to have that instruction in righteousness as the Scripture tells us how to live. We, we let it do its work. And then that takes us to verse 17, that the man of God may be perfect or complete, mature, truly furnished. If I could use the illustration of the purpose of the Scripture, what the Scripture does, if you allow it to do its work, if you can picture a house that is furnished, you can have a house that has no furniture. It's still a house. You can still live in it. It can keep you dry when it rains. It can keep you warm when it's cold. It can keep you cool when it's hot. You can, you can sleep, but that floor gets hard. What's the first piece of furniture? I want to get something to sleep on. The house is much more useful when it's furnished. You can be a born-again Christian, and it can't, that can't be changed. The devil can't take that from you. You can't take it from you. You can't lose it. it, it it's it's going to happen. You're a child of God. If that's all we ever got, that'd be pretty good. But what the Bible will do will furnish our house It'll give us some things we didn't have before. It'll, it'll make us more useful. It, it, it'll give us more purpose. That's what the Scripture does. And by the way, this is a good reminder for all of us. We didn't furnish ourselves. The Scripture did. And that's why a new Christian, just keep them coming. Keep them coming. Keep them coming. Keep them coming. Why? Because the Scripture will do its work. 
And as preachers, as a preacher, I need to be reminded, it's not the programs that does it. I like programs. It's not the activities. We have activities. But it's the Scripture. It's the Scripture. It's the Scripture that furnishes, truly furnished, unto all good works. We must let the Scripture do it. You know the Scripture can still convict a lost man? Scripture still convicts the heart of a saved man? If something I said tonight made you feel uncomfortable, it wasn't me that made you feel uncomfortable. It's the Scripture. It's the Holy Spirit. I've said this before, I'll say it again just because I need to hear it. If you don't need to hear it, long before I get up here and say it to you, the Spirit of God convicts my heart, reminds me. Hey, perilous times, those last days, perilous times shall come. I can make the case that they're here. It's evident. What do we do? Well, let's just hold on. I think there's a, I think there's a, there's a lot of preachers like this. They get to a certain age and say, I'm just going to ride it out. Because I'm going to get through it. But there's a generation that's in those nurseries over there. We have to prepare for perilous times with them in mind. So what do I do? I persevere. It doesn't matter who you are tonight. You're more important than you realize. You're important to God. He sent His Son to pay for your sins. That's a heavy price to pay. You're important to your pastor, I can tell you that. There's people not here today, and some of them, they text me, I'm not feeling good. But the ones that I haven't felt comfortable giving them my cell number, I'm thinking, no, I didn't hear from some, I'm thinking, why aren't they here? Are they okay? Where, where are they? You're important. I promise you there's somebody else in this church that looks to you. As an example, say, well, not, well, not me, Pastor. It did, I, I, just, I just don't have a place, and I just, I just don't. Oh, get over your fake humility, which is really pride. Nobody, nobody cares for me. We all, and we can all get that way. But I promise you there's somebody that takes notice. The reason I'm pointing that out is just persevere. And we, we need to replace as the standard, parent, listen to me, the standard, when you take that word perfect out and replace it with persevere. There's a lot of parents because they don't hit the standard of perfect, but why is it used to even try? But as Christian, let's take that word perfect out and let's put persevere. None of us are perfect. We can't achieve perfection. So what can I do in my imperfection? I can persevere. We must teach the scriptures to the next generation. Find, find some way to participate in teaching the next generation the scriptures. Your children, if you're still at home, there you go. And that doesn't mean oh, we got to stay up all night. They got to learn the Bible tonight. Pastor preached it and we got, we got to teach them the Bible. You just, you're reinforcing. 
You're incorporating. You're taking the time to, to teach, and this is why we don't do this. This is why. Why are, we, why are we going? Why are we always at church? Well, this is why we're at church. This is, this, is, this is why we're doing this. As you get older, you make sure they're under the preaching and teaching of the Word of God. You know, as, as, as those perilous times shall come, there's, sadly, there's fewer and fewer churches where the Scriptures are preeminent. And just, I just feel led to say this. If for some reason, just for example, it's like, well, I don't like pastor's personality. If for, it, just it's hypothetical because I know that's not possible. And I just, you know, just, you know, just, I would tell you this, learn to put up with my personality because the scriptures are preached. The scriptures are taught. It's more important for you. Paul didn't say, follow my personality. He said, the scriptures. There's a lot of young people and young adults get to a place where they leave that which they've taught and they use it as an excuse well, my, my mom and dad weren't perfect. If you'd have come to me long before, I could have told you that. Well, my pastor, he's not, I'm not perfect, never claimed to be. Has nothing to do with whether or not this is true. Well, I've, I've been offended. Did this book offend you? Because people do offend you, you know. Anybody ever been to Walmart? Anybody ever been offended about Walmart? Anybody going back to Walmart? Yeah. We've all been in a restaurant. But God, I'm never coming back here. And yet next week, there we are. But I was offended. The scriptures didn't offend you. And if you did get offended by the scriptures, you need to be offended by them. Hey, I don't, I don't know what, I don't know the date that Jesus is coming. I know he's coming. I know that Bible teaches us that we ought to be prepared for him every single day looking for him. Looking for him. Looking for him. At the same time, preparing those that come behind us. We, we, we must, I don't know what God, all God has for us. I mean, I've shared much, not all, much of what God's put in my heart. I'm very aware if God allows us to achieve those things, it'll take my lifetime to do it. Some of those things I will never get to enjoy. But there's a generation behind that with God as our helper will still be able to go to a church that preaches the Bible and teaches the Bible. A Christian school that, yeah, teaches how to read and write, but still teaches them the scriptures. A Sunday school that teaches boys and girls that, that yes, God, God had a plan for you and God created you. You're made in His image. Jesus loves you. He came to die for you. And the scriptures is what you can build your life on. Well, let's prepare for those perilous times. We have to endure. We also have to keep that next generation in mind because we ha- what's going to ha- help them? Scriptures. The scriptures. Mom and Dad, make sure you're in the Scriptures. Make sure the Scriptures are preeminent in your house. 
What, what, you know, the, 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 the church, we have, we have to make sure the scriptures are preeminent. Well, Pastor, what do you think? It's not really what I think, it's what God has said. You know, well, what, what do you think? And it's like, let's take a survey tonight about the direction we're going. That's nonsense. God set the direction. Let's hold to it. Because it is going to get worse. And as, the, the, as it gets darker and darker, the light shines brighter and brighter. And we must maintain that light for another generation. I, I close with this. I've already mentioned, and you know how much I love that relationship between Paul and Timothy and those, those letters and what's instructed in there. Paul writes in 1 Timothy, from faithful man to faithful man. My, my mind thinks like this. Maybe you think I'm crazy. If you don't think I'm crazy by now, but you may think I'm crazy. But, but, but I wonder, between then and now, how many dark periods of history and has there ever been a time in history when there was one faithful man to one faithful man? And if one of those men had not been faithful, would we have the truth today? I don't know, but I do know there's a time I've stood at the approximate spot where the Apostle Paul was on the shores of the Mediterranean and he appealed to go to Rome giving up his freedom to take the gospel to Rome. If Paul had said, I'll take my freedom, the gospel would not have gotten to Rome. And if you know history, you know where the gospel went from Rome and to where we are now. You say, well, thank the Lord, Pastor, somebody was... Okay, it could be that of that great consequence with your own family. At some point in time, there's going to be one to make sure it gets taught to one. You say, well, Pastor, we got a whole bunch in our family. But you don't know what the future holds. One, I've got to be faithful. I look at that as the pastor. I look at these knuckleheads running around here and come and shake my hand, and I just think, good night. One of these could be the pastor one day. God help us. Then I got to thinking, did these people think that about me when I was running around here? Miss Wiles, don't shake your head up and down. <laughs> Nobody asked you. <laughs> it's, it's, we want this day to go on from generation to generation to generation. Father, help us tonight.